thank you for your donation to Corbono, a nonprofit organization dedicated to the study of Scripture according to the mind of the Catholic Church. If you like this talk, we invite you to share our website, www.corbono.com, with others so that together we may participate in the evangelization of the third millennium. Our speaker, Najim Awad, lives in San Diego, California with his wife and seven children and has been studying and teaching scripture since 1995. Najib believes the Catholic Church holds and teaches the fullness of truth, and with his tremendous zeal and insight, he is able to communicate that raw truth without sugarcoating the teachings of the Catholic Church. He also believes that our job is not to change the truth, but to communicate it clearly and directly to others. And now, here's Najib. How many of you are very familiar with Fatima? I'm, I'm saying beyond the usual story of Our Lady appearing to the three kids and having some secrets. And how, how many of you have spent a little bit of time studying Fatima? That's what we're going to do tonight. I want to show you that the events surrounding Fatima are very much in line with the Apocalypse. So we're going to take a slice of history and go through it and see how events line up and see how God intervenes in history in response to human events. We're going to start with 1884. In the year 1884, Pope Leo XIII, Saint Leo XIII, was the reigning pontiff. And... It is said that while he was celebrating liturgy, he fell. And those around him thought that he had had a heart attack. But as it turned out, he, ha- he fell into ecstasy. So in other words, he was taken up in the spirit. And he overheard this following conversation. Now, this I have not been able to confirm. I don't think there is an official document from the Vatican that confirms this so far. But, but I think it forms a good background to what follows. And in this, in, this, uh, in this state, he overheard this conversation between our Lord and Satan. And Satan said, I can destroy your church. Notice, Satan didn't say, I can rule the world. His focus is the church, nothing else. I can destroy your church. But I need more time and more power over those who are willing to give themselves over to me. Christ asked, how much time? And Satan apparently would have answered 100 years. And Christ would have said, you have it. Now, the interesting thing about St. Leo XIII is that on March 25th of 1884, March 25th of 1884, St. Leo, Pope Leo, promulgated the very, the now famous prayer to St. Michael the Archangel, which I think many of you know. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle, right? He also mandated that this prayer be said after every Mass. He gave no explicit explanation why. That's why we have a sense that this story I just told you may have, ha- may have had some, re- may have been founded in some truth, in, re- in reality. Because why would he all of a sudden promulgate this prayer? So now, March 25th, 1884. 
is when this prayer was promulgated. It is interesting also that St. Leo consecrated the whole world to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And St. Leo created the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. The very first thing I want to point out to you is that the devil, we know that, that's from Scripture, the first letter of St. Peter. The devil, your enemy, is like a lion prowling about, seeking souls whom he may destroy. St. Paul tells us also we're not just fighting against the world, we're fighting against principalities and powers, demons. So we know that there is also a spiritual battle. So this is nothing new. But it's kind of interesting how the Pope, instead of sort of beginning some sort of a, of a political mission or creating an organization or rallying people or trying to get money, all those things are good and important and well, did none of that. He instituted two feasts. Now, remember how in the book of Revelation we saw that the elders praised the Lord and cast their crown before his feet? Right? And then in response to this, we're seeing those four horses and everything else that follows. Keep that in mind. He instituted two feasts praising the Lord. How, how strange one might think. If indeed he had had this vision about the devil attacking, you might think what he would do, first and foremost, is kind of, kind of raise the awareness of people about the devil. You know, write a brochure. Beware, prepare, be ready. None of that. Celebrating two feasts. That is a profound Catholic truth. Hope, joy. Those are profound Catholic virtues. What is the point? What is the point of winning the whole world if we are joyless and hopeless? What's the point? We've lost everything. You understand? That's a fundamental Catholic principle. Christ is risen. That's the root and the rock of our salvation. And that nothing can take away from us. Therefore, it is the foundation of our joy and hope. And that's what he did. 1911, World War I started. And in that war, 38 Catholic kings were gone. There were 38 Catholic kingdoms, and all of them were gone. All right? We, in the course of daily affairs, don't pay attention. We need to be able to step back and look. More important than the loss of these kingdoms, modernism set in. Relativism. My truth, your truth. My iPod, my cell phone, my webpage, my space. My truth, your truth. That works for me, doesn't work for you, oh well. Which is, of course, a direct attack against the church and the authority of the church. If we're going to put on the same level my opinion and the opinion of the church, the church is lost. The authority of the church is gone. As Catholics, we are bound to conform our conscience to the teachings of the church. We have that duty. So when the church teaches something... Our job, our duty is to conform ourselves to that teaching, understanding it, studying it, realizing its meaning, not running away from it or saying, well, it doesn't work for me. It might work for somebody else. That's modernism. And it took hold and spread very rapidly. 1915, Lucia and, and three other children, not Jacinta and uh, 
Francisco, saw a ball of light come down from the sky. In the light, they saw an angel. And that angel did not speak. I want to point out to you immediately the apocalyptic nature of that phenomena. A ball of light coming down from heaven. If you think about the last miracle of Fatima, the, the sun falling down. Literally 70,000 people, atheists, believers, you name it, saw the sun fall down. They actually fell flat on their faces. They thought that's the end of the world. You can go back to Portugal, you can check the archives for your own sake, and you will see that this was reported exactly as I'm telling it to you. So notice the apocalyptic nature of this phenomena, a ball of light coming down from heaven, and in it they saw an angel. In 1916, Lucia, Jacinta, and Francesco saw the same angel, and he taught them the following prayer. Oh my God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love you. I ask pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love you. This is a beautiful prayer to say after communion. And then they saw, they say, they saw him again, and he said, pray and sacrifice to the hearts of Jesus and Mary. So in the, in the context of world affairs, what is the advice of the angel? The advice of the angel is not simply political or economic. It is pray and sacrifice to the heart of Jesus and Mary. The war is ongoing. If you now look at the apocalypse again, you see this is our weapon. The liturgy and the prayers associated with it are our weapon to conquer. And you will see that over and over again as we proceed through. He appeared to them a third time holding a chalice with a host over it. He gave them communion, which is very interesting theologically that an angel gave them communion. Because that tells you right away that they participate in the priesthood of Jesus Christ. He gave them communion. What is the angel doing? He's giving them communion. You see the liturgy? From, for, for, for that angelic being, the answer, the defense against the attack of Satan is communion. It's the Mass. Angels don't lose sight of what is important, what is essential. Alright? He's not giving them communion because it's cute or because he thinks, let me be original here. Remember, the year is 1916. Every Catholic is going to church. Pretty much. Every Catholic is receiving communion. He doesn't seem to be doing something original. Of all the things he could have done, you know, let's go up in the cloud and fly in the sky and do a bunch of wonderful things. He gives them the thing they can receive every Sunday. And then he taught them a prayer. Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I adore you profoundly. I offer you the most precious body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Does this ring a bell with something else? Yeah. That happened after. That was the first time this was mentioned. I offer you the most precious body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, present in all the tabernacles of the world, in reparation for the outrages, sacrileges, and indifference whereby he is offended. And through the infinite merits of his most sacred heart and the immaculate heart of Mary, 
I beg of you the conversion of poor sinners. Now let's think about that. The year is 1916. Every Catholic, pretty much, is going to church. Catholics know their faith. What outrages? What sacrileges? That cannot realistically apply to their time. Well, at least not in, in the same proportion as it would to ours. Won't you say? You see what he was doing? It is part of the battle. It is part of the battle that we are still part of. And the answer is a profound reverence and devotion to the Lord and the Eucharist. The answer is the Mass. In 1917, St. Maximilian Kolbe started the Militia Immaculata, dedicated to the service of the Virgin and to the conversion of the world to the Catholic Church. St. Maximilian Kolbe made no... He, he, he didn't hide his intention. His intention is to convert the whole world to the church. Period. That should be the goal of every Catholic. You can't be Catholic if you say, well, you know, I'm Catholic, but you can be Protestant or Muslim. It's okay. We're all going to be a one happy fractured family up in heaven. Not going to work. You're Catholic or you're not. That means you're walking the walk to heaven or you're not. I'm talking to you as members of this church. No, don't, don't get me the, the folks who are outside the poor, you know, savage who never heard of anything. Leave that guy alone. I'm talking about you and I as what is our responsibility. That's our responsibility. You can't be embarrassed about being a Catholic. St. Maximilian Kolbe, by the way, died in Auschwitz. And he gave his life to save the life of a Jew who was a family member. And the Nazis hated the priest more than they hated the Jews. So they were glad to let him die. And they took him to this bunker where basically they left all these men, or the 23rd people, to there to rot to die of hunger and thirst. And typically what would happen in those places is that you, all you would hear is them screaming because they'd go mad. But St. Max was with them. And instead of screaming, there were prayers. And guess what he was doing during that time? They were hungry. They were dying. Guess what St. Maximilian was doing? He was catechizing them. He was teaching them the faith. He never lost sight of what was important. And he was the last one to die, and they actually actually had to give him an injection to kill him. And the guard who was, who, who was guarding this place could not look in his eyes. May 5th, 1917, Pope Benedict the Fifteenth published a prayer to Our Lady for peace in the world. So the Pope writes a letter asking Our Lady's intervention for peace in the world. Eight days after, marked the first apparition in Fatima, May 13th. May 13th, 1917, Our Lady of Fatima appeared for the first time. Now let me tell you something about that apparition. The year was 1917. And Mary said, one of the most important statements is that unless Russia is consecrated to my, to the immac to my immaculate heart, it will spread its errors throughout the world. God will punish the world with another war. And when that message was made known, people laughed at the kids. They ridiculed them. Russia? Bunch of peasants. Russia was not economically advanced. You talk about you, the, the, the superpowers in Europe were what? Germany, France, Great Britain. 
and Austria, which was kind of ailing. Those are the powers you'd look to. Russia? Who would even look at Russia? They laughed at them. She told them specifically, when you see a great light in the, in the heavens, know that the war is about to start. A week before the start of the Second World War, there were aurora borealis in the North Pole that were so strong that they were seen in Paris. That's how strong they were. Photographs were taken of them a week before the start of the war. In June 13, 1917, Our Lady was holding her heart full of thorns and said, I wish to establish in the world devotion to my Immaculate Heart. I promise salvation to those who embrace it and their souls will be loved by God as flowers placed by myself to adorn his, his throne. And then she taught the children this prayer. Oh my Jesus, I offer this for love of you, for the conversion of poor sinners, and in reparation for all the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Not the sins committed against God or Jesus or the Trinity, against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Now, think about that for a second. Why would one offer prayers against sins committed, for sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary? Why is that important? You see, of course, to, to Protestant ear, this is sacrilegious. Right? You're, you're, you know, you're putting Mary on the same level as God. That's the accusation they'll throw at us. But the reality of the matter is that if you've been following our study in the book of Revelation up to this point, what I've been telling you over and over again, what is so important for Christ? His church. And what does the church teach us about Our Lady? She is, in herself, the church. You understand? So to Christ, sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary are all the sins committed against His church. You understand? Notice, it isn't about what's going on in the world. It's not about those things that are happening out there in the political... No, it's about sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Because that is what is most important to the heart of Jesus. His mother and His church, above all else. And why is she establishing this devotion? Because... She knows how the covenant works. Satan knows how the covenant works. He knows that all he's got to do is make people out there sin enough to trigger the curses of the covenant. He doesn't have to do it himself. He actually doesn't have that power. Only God has that power. But all he has got to do is whisper enough ears and get them to do crazy things to trigger the curses of the covenant. Because he understands the covenant. Then Our Lady showed the three children hell. The vision lasted about a second. And she gave them the first secret and told them about the first Saturday devotion and the consecration of Russia to her Immaculate Heart. She predicted the death of Pius X, the election of Pius XI by name, the end of war, the Second World War, the light in the sky at the start of the Second World War, and the ultimate consecration of Russia, the conversion of Russia and triumph of her Immaculate Heart, and a period of peace granted to the world. All that was given as a secret to the children in 1917, where no one was ever speaking about Russia. October 13th, 1917, 
70,000 people in Portugal went up to the mountain in the rain. The ground was mud, six feet deep. Then Our Lady appeared, and the sun came up, and they all their clothes dried immediately, and then they saw the miracle of the sun. And there were hundreds of cures, and the ground became as dry as if it had never rained. And then she told them her name, I am the Lady of the Rosary. She came under that title. Why? It is a title of war. This is not a title of... Um, it's not just a fun title. This is a title of war. It's a declaration of war. you got to understand this. This is how it works. Why? Because on October 13, 1917, Lenin marched into Russia. Now, I don't, I don't know if all of you know who Lenin is, but he's the father, essentially, of communist Russia. He was followed by Stalin. You got to see the correspondence between those events. How worldly events are done by might and strength and power and armies and weapons and all that. And the ways of the Lord are through the mass. That's what this, this throws us off completely because it really requires us to work by faith. You see, if mass, if mass was to fulfill our senses, if the church was built the way I would say church is supposed to be built. And if the Mass was celebrated with the with enough attention so that it can reflect the beauty of heaven, we may be more convinced of what I'm talking about. But the architecture of our churches today and the ease with which we can go up and down on the altar and the nonchalance with which we treat what goes on in Mass makes it very difficult for us to relate to all of this. You see how essentially the devil knows where to hit at the core. Now, this of course is an effect of the contraceptive mentality we have because when the world is contracepting outside, he's also going to contracept inside, here. You can't relate to the Mass and understand it when contraception is rampant the way it is. The two go together. One is a reflection of the other. On January 17, 1918, the Diocese of Fatima was restored by Benedict XV, and the cult of Fatima was approved. And the interesting thing is that uh, Our Lady wanted the children to add the following prayer at the, at the end of every decade. O oh my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven. That's what Our Lady wanted. The answer of the church was that they would approve this if the following could be added to this prayer, especially those in most need of your mercy. That part came from the church. And the children immediately complied. Final authority to prayer is in the church, not in Our Lady. It's in the church. And that's the prayer we have and we say every day. It has, it has this profound meaning of intercession to all those souls being lost in this war that is being waged. On April 5, 1918, Francesco died 18 months after the promise of his death. Both Francesco and uh, Jacinta were, I think, 9 and 8 or 9 and 10. And Our Lady told them that she would take them up to heaven early. And so 18 months after he died. And on February 20, 1920, Jacinta died. 
and her secret, the secret that was confided to her by Our Lady, was given to the Pope. It stated, in part, that four nations would disappear, and the nations were named, and they disappeared. I don't have the names right here, but they disappeared during the Second World War, when communism came and took half of Europe. She also said, more souls go to hell for sins of the flesh than for any other reason. Now think about that. That was the year 1920. No TV, no magazines. The, the fashion was still very modest. How could it be that more souls go to... That wasn't just for them. It's for us. Can you spell contraception? Never mind anything else. Certain fashions will be introduced that will offend Our Lady very much. Certain fashions will be introduced that will offend Our Lady very much. Many marriages are not of God. The year was 1920. A girl was, by then, 12 years old. Those are statements of a 12-year-old girl coming from a small village up in Portugal with elementary education. The disobedience of priests to their superiors and to the Holy Father is very displeasing to our Lord. That's what she said. That should, to a certain degree, comfort you. All that was known. All that was part of God's plan. He foreknew all this. And He established in His church the means to respond to all of it. The Blessed Mother, she added, can no longer restrain the hand of her Divine Son from striking the world with just punishment for its many crimes. Tell everybody that God has confided the peace of the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. On December 10, 1925, Lucia saw a vision of Our Lady and the Christ Child. She put her hand on Lucia's shoulder and showed her her heart of thorns, which she held in the other hand. The child Jesus said, Have compassion on the heart of your most holy mother, surrounded with thorns, with which ungrateful men pierce her at every moment, without there being anyone to make an act of reparation in order to take them away. And Mary said, See my daughter, my heart surrounded by thorns, which ungrateful men pierce at every moment, by their blasphemies and ingratitude. You at least try to console me and say to all those who for five months on the first Saturday, confess, receive Holy Communion, recite the Rosary, and keep me company during 15 minutes while meditating on the 15 ministries of the Rosary in a spirit of reparation. I promise to assist them at the hour of death with all the, great, with all the graces necessary for the salvation of their souls. The gift that Mary gave was that if you were to do this devotion five consecutive first Saturdays, say the Rosary, meditate on her, on the sorrows of Our Lady, keep her company, meditate on the, on the, on the, um, <clears throat> on the mysteries of the Rosary, go to Mass, go to confession, in a spirit of reparation. What does that mean? A spirit of reparation. That's the key word. A spirit of reparation. It means that you are joining your prayers and you're offering your sufferings as a sacrifice during the liturgy for reparation against the sins committed against the heart of Mary. That's what you're doing. Why did she do that? What did she institute that for? She instituted that precisely because she knows the weapons we need to win the war. And since we are lazy and interested by the world, you know, bingo and the lottery and Las Vegas, 
and MySpace. She has to give us a candy to get us going. But she knows what is good for us. On February 15, 1926, the child Jesus appeared again and asked, Have you spread devotion to the five first Saturdays? So he is the one who is going to punish the world with the Second World War. And he comes and he asks, Have you spread devotions to the five Saturdays? Think about that for a second. A Second World War is coming. He knows that. He knows what's going to happen. He knows about the atomic bomb. He knows about the destruction of Europe. He knows about all these people who are going to die. And he comes and he asks, Have you spread devotions to the five first five Saturdays? Isn't that odd? To be worried about such a small thing? Because that small thing is precisely part of warfare that we conduct when we pray. The following year, 1930, the Bishop of Fatima again declared the apparition supernatural, meaning from God. In the same year, 1930, Jesus appeared again to Lucia. He said that the, the reason for five first Saturdays is the five blasphemies against her immaculate heart, against her perpetual virginity, her divine maternity of God, and mankind indifference to her and to her holy images. If you think about um, against her perpetual virginity, I need not tell you what is going on these days. Where hardly, hardly ever these days, a woman get married when she's in a state of virginity. The man, likewise. I haven't mentioned him right away because his state is far worse, or he used to be far worse than that of women. Women are catching up very quickly. Her divine maternity. Can you spell abortion? So it's not about just people willingly putting down Our Lady. No, no, no. It's what they do, especially women. Women are in the image of Mary, right? I mean, they are in the image of God, but also in the image of Mary. They get a bonus. And Satan knows how to take that image and completely deform it. By the way women dress today, by the way they behave towards their body, and the individual heresy is so strong that they hardly ever think of how that impacts Our Lady. It seldom crossed their mind to think about how my dressing, how my behaving affects Mary. They may not be paying attention, but the Lord is. On September 12, 1935, the bodies of Francesco and Jacinta were... were um, their tomb were opened, they were, they were exhumed, and, and Jacinta's body was uncorrupted in spite of being buried in lime. In, in 1937, Lucia wrote her second letter. This was the first time she mentioned the angel in 1915-16, and she wrote the complete history by order of her bishop. In 1938, January 25th, the promised light appeared throughout all of Europe. Those were the Aurora Borealis mentioned to you. And World War II started on September 1st. The first Saturdays had not yet been revealed to the world. In 1939, Mary appeared again. Lucia sent a secret letter to the Pope to be opened in 1960. That was the third famous third, third secret of Fatima. In 1941, she wrote her fourth letter. On October 31st, 1942, Pius XII personally consecrated the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and created the Feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary on the Saturday after the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. In 43, Christ appeared to Lucia. I want all my children to recognize that the consecration of Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary 
is the reason for the conversion of Russia. In 46, Lucia returned to Fatima on May 13th as Spice XII crowned an image of Our Lady and proclaimed her Queen of the World. Don't look at those events as just cute little things we do. This is warfare. This is how you have to understand the book of Revelation. It's warfare between the church and the world, between the church and Satan, and how Christ's kingdom is spread throughout the nations. Those little things that we do that seem to carry no meaning are fundamentally extremely powerful weapons. And if we do them with minds that are enlightened and hearts full of faith, we can move mountains. On June 13th, 1946, Pius XII, so right after the end of the Second World War, a year after, Pius XII wrote an encyclical about Our Lady, and in it he said, it is our wish that whenever the opportunity suggests itself, this consecration, the consecration to, 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 um, to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, this consecration be made in the various dioceses as well as in each of the parishes and families, and we're confident that abundant blessings and favors from heaven will surge forth from this private and public consecration. In 1952, June 7th, Pius XII consecrated the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and in 1960, after reading the secret letter of Fatima, Paul VI stated, All Christians should be content in the knowledge that the oceans will inundate whole continents, and millions of people will die from one moment to the next. Hearing this, people should not long for the rest of the secret. That was the third secret that was not revealed, but that's what Paul VI stated. On the 25th, on the 21st of November, he consecrated the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Pope John Paul II, in answering questions on the secret of Fatima in Germany, said this, It should have been made public in 1960, but because of its troubling content and to dissuade the superpowers from undertaking war, my predecessors in the papal chair have chosen the diplomatic way. All Christians should be content in the knowledge that the oceans will inundate whole continents and millions of people will die from one moment to the next. Hearing this, people should not long for the rest of the secret. He added, many people wanted to know the secret only for sensation. They forget, however, that along with knowledge goes responsibility. They want only to satisfy their curiosity. They're not concerned to do anything to avert the impending times of trouble. And this is a dangerous attitude. This is the remedy that should be used. Holding the rosary, he's holding the rosary. In the struggle against evil, pray the rosary daily. Pray, pray, and do not inquire anymore. Everything else should be entrusted to the Holy Mother of God. We shall prepare for trials in the near future. Yes, even if it costs us our lives. He hadn't been shot yet when he said those words. The trials can be mitigated by your and our prayers. But to prevent it is no longer possible. Because only this way can the real renewal of the church come about. Listen to the language. Only this way can the real renewal of the church come come about. Go back and look at those chapters we're going through. Go back, read at the beginning of the, of the book of Revelation. It's all about the renewal of the church. People at the beginning of the third millennium were calling doom and gloom. Y2K, the end of the world is coming. I know folks who piled food for a whole year. You're laughing now. Most people were not laughing back then at the end of the year 1999. It was bewildering to me. I'm in IT, information technology. I deal with computers. It was bewildering to me because I know what people in my profession can do. 
I knew they were able people. I didn't expect anything to happen at the end of 1999. And I would tell this to people, but they would look at me as if I was a lunatic. No, the trains will derail, and then the hospitals won't work, and then mayhem will occur, and chaos, and people will kill each other, and the world, and that the world would end. And many Catholics fell into this frenzy because there isn't a proper rooting into Catholic understanding of the book of Revelation and that God wants to renew His church. How often the church has been renewed in blood, it won't be otherwise now. Those are the words of John Paul II. Be strong, be prepared. We should trust ourselves to Christ and His mother. Pray often and say often the rosary. Then although we will have done a little, we will have done everything. Although we will have done a little, we will have done everything. That's the hard part for us because you go to Mass, you say the rosary, right? You don't hear ka-ching. You don't get a star. You don't get a cake. You get nothing. You're tired, you're bored, your brain is flying all over the place, can't concentrate, can't even say one holy Mary proper way, and you're wondering, what am I doing here? Let me go do something useful. Although we would have done a little, we would have done everything. Cardinal Ratzinger read the secret and made the statement about it on November 11th, 1984. The things contained in this third secret correspond to what has been announced in Scripture and has been said again and again in many other Marian apparitions. He's basically saying what is in the secret corresponds to what we have in Scripture, which is what I was trying to, te- to point out to you. Now, in 1981, 73% of the world was communist. 73% of the world was either communist or under a communist regime. Do you know that? Did you know that? No, why? Because we live in the United States of Amnesia. None of us remembers what we've done on Monday. We don't take time to study history. We're not concerned. 19 what? That's the dark ages. I can't think past 2000. What do you mean 1981? Were, us- were they using hieroglyphs back then? I mean, come on, they didn't have any cell phones. 73% of the world was communist. Our memory is so short. Since Fatima, 100 and 70 million people died. 50 in World War II. 115 under Stalin and, and Mao. 1 million in Afghanistan. 1 million in Cambodia. 1 million in Vietnam. Did you know that? On May 13th, 1981, the Feast of Fatima, the Feast of Fatima, May 13th, the Pope was shot. In the hospital, his nurse said that Our Lady of Fatima had saved his life. He did not know a lot about Fatima, so in the hospital he read every book he could get. In 1981, the National Conference of Catholic Bishops of the United States sent a letter to the Holy Father requesting the consecration. 1982, May 13th, at Fatima, he consecrated the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Lucia said it was not correctly done. So the Holy Father sent his Secretary of State to Fatima, and Lucia and someone else, Macarius Coher, I don't know who that person is, sat with him for six hours explaining exactly how the consecration had to be done. On March 25th, 1984, what did, what did we start from? March 80, 25th, 1884. March 25th, 1984, the Holy Father and the bishops throughout the world consecrated Russia and the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Even Russian Orthodox bishops entered in, and Lucia said it was finally 
done correctly. 100 years to the day after the proclamation of the prayer to St. Michael the Archangel. What happened then? Two months later, on the Feast of Fatima, May 13th, there was an explosion in Severmorsky in Russia, which destroyed some of their missiles. I don't know what the extent of this, this explosion was. There was another, and then on, on December 19, Marshal Ustinov, the Minister of Defense, died or was killed. Three days later, Marshal Sodolov, the second Minister of Defense, died. In March of 1985, one year after the consecration, President Chernenko died and Michael Gorbachev was made president. He was the first baptized Christian president, although still communist. He instituted, he instituted glasnost and perestroika, freedom of the press and freedom of religion. This was the downfall of communism. Fifteen republics were freed from communism and the Warsaw Pact ended. In 1989... Lucia said publicly that the consecration was completed and that God will keep his word. That year, on November 9th, the Berlin Wall came down. You, you kids don't remember this. Most of you won't. But for those of us who lived under the shadow of the wall, had you asked anyone, any historian, any sociologist, any politician, any political science major, any economist, any intelligence specialist, anybody... Have you told them, in 1985, in four years, the Berlin Wall will fall? They'll ask you if you're on crack. No one would ever believe you. I mean, you kids don't, don't remember that. And you may not even understand the importance of this. But it was huge. No one understood that. No one could understand how communism could just completely dissolve. How many of you were aware or knew about the Cuba, the Cuba incident under President Kennedy? How many of you knew we were about 15 minutes away from a nuclear war? You see, we, we just take all this for granted. The following year, on the Feast of Fatima, May 13th, freedom of religion was made the law of Russia. And on the Feast of the Miracle of Fatima, October 13th, Gorbachev received the Nobel Peace Prize. On May 1st, 1991, which was the centennial of Rerum Novarum, the encyclical on the condition of human labor by Pope Leo XIII and the Feast of St. Joseph, the worker, St. Joseph the worker, the end of May Day as a communist holiday happened. I'll spare you some other events. On December 30th, 1991, Sister Lucia wrote that the world will recognize that the defeat of communism was by Our Lady. And on March 14, 1992, Pravda ended and Christmas Day, 1990, communism was declared illegal in Russia. This is, this is mind-boggling for us who lived under the shadows of the Berlin Wall, the Cold War. You'd have told anyone, asked anyone, that you know, communism is coming to an end. No one, no one was even putting forth such a, an idea. Everybody was preparing themselves for a very long confrontation with communism. By 1996, starting with the people power and rosary in the Philippines, 87 dictatorships fell throughout the world. 87 dictatorships fell. So from March 25th, 1884 until March 25th, 1984, exactly 100 years, in 1884, Pope 
Saint Leo the thirteenth, the 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 twelfth. I'm sorry, not the thirteenth. Saint Leo the twelfth saw Christ give Satan power for 100 years. In 1984, Pope John Paul II consecrated Russia and the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Communism fell. 87 other dictators fell. That's the battle. That's the battle that we are still engaged in. There's just this ongoing struggle. And we, and you need to understand this, we are winning the battle. Defeat is not an option. Because Christ won the battle for us. We just have to implement, make present what he has already won. His rule is all over the world. That is the mindset that we have to have as Catholics. If you don't have that mindset, you need to develop it. And the only way you can develop it is by really understanding the role of the church. And what does it mean for you to belong to the church? And what does the church mean? What does it, what does the church represent in the eyes of God? So you can't be sitting on the fence. Sort of you're here because, well, you know, your parents pulled you by a year and brought you here. That's not going to work. You're here because you want to commit yourself to be here. But then if you do that, you have to be joyful. Now, joyful doesn't mean you go about shouting yuppie every three seconds, jumping up and down like Tigger. That's not joyful. All right? It doesn't work this way. Joyful means that at the, at, at the core of your heart, there is a spring. There's water flowing. Joyful means you're steady. You put up with the difficulty. You don't lose your, your countenance. You don't give up. You don't let anxiety take over or take hold of you. That's what joy is all about. It's the supernatural virtue that God gives us to express His presence in the world, even though difficulties may bend us the other way. And in doing so, you are doing that little bit that is everything that needs to be done so that those who are outside the church may be brought into the church. That's what it is to be Catholic. It's an awesome undertaking. And if you really think about it, it should bring you to your knees in awe and you must, you would be wondering and asking the Lord, why me? I'm no better than the next guy over there. I actually, I, I know a bunch of guys at my work who are better than I am. How come I'm here and they're not? Why me? It would fill you with a sense of awe to be a Catholic. That's what the book of Revelation is all about. That's the fundamental message. Now, there are other messages, of course, but that's the fundamental message. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ as Lord and King of history and of His bride, the church, through whom He rules the nation. And we're going to see that next week when we start delving into the four horses. But I wanted to give you a little bit of his, you know, a, a sort of a perspective, a historical perspective over these events. Now, I picked Fatima, but you know what? I am willing to bet you dollars to donuts that if we go back in time and pick any century, any century, and sit down and start to study the historical events 
and correlate that with the events that took place in the church, you would see the same thing. Study the life of St. Catherine of Siena. She's a perfect example. She's a doctor of the church. She was unschooled. She didn't know how to read or write. And she received full knowledge of scripture. At her, during her time, there were three popes. Did you know that? Three popes. People didn't know who was the real pope. There was one real and two fake. But you couldn't tell them apart. That wasn't that easy. Because the real guy wasn't particularly virtuous. He wasn't leading a life you'd be proud of. And he wasn't in Rome. He was up in Avignon in France. She's the one who brought him back. At one point she had a vision where she saw the boat. You know, the boat is a symbol of the church, right? The boat of Peter. And it was teetering. And suddenly the boat jumped from the picture and landed on her shoulder. And she fell to the ground. She was doing that little bit that meant everything. You've heard of that guy, Francis? You know, the one whom everybody portrays as just an animal lover, going around talking to <laughs> pigeons and dogs and cats? What did Christ tell him? Francis, save my church. And he got it wrong to begin with. He just went and built a small church and started fixing it, doing some masonry work on it. He got it wrong. That's how Christ works. He picks a couple of speck of dust and shows his glory through them. And he does it in every age. And the world will turn to dust and the church will remain. That is his glory. Pray to Our Lady that she may give you the grace to see the church as the church is, is in the eyes of Christ. Ask Our Lady to simply show you, to open your eyes, to see the church the way Christ sees the church. And if you can do that, and if you can see that, you won't ever have to listen to me again. You'd be there. I'd have nothing to tell you. You'd be the one telling me. The church is the bride of Christ. He's got only one. That's whom he loves. He died for her. And she will ever remain his beloved. And you and I are part of it. God bless you. We, we have time for questions. Yes. Yeah. Why Russia? Because Russia was about to unleash its... Why Russia? I don't know why Russia, but all we know that Stalin and Lenin were moving into Russia and turning into this communist monster that is about to destroy the world. Right? The USSR became the USSR. Right? So, God foreknew that, and then Our Lady told us how to fight it. Now, as far as Russia and China uniting, becoming war, Gagog, I mean, we'll get to this. It's, it's, you know, there's a lot of fun things you can do with the book of Revelation. I'm not sure this is what St. John had in mind, China and Russia, but we'll get to it. It's a good question, though. Yes, of course, angels are involved in many, many different ways in the human activities because the battle is material, but it's also spiritual. So there is angel of moment all over, and they're actually uh, Saint Padre Pio. Saint, I call him Saint Padre Pio because I can't say his full name. I think he'll 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 forgive me. Padre Pio, uh, soldiers, American soldiers who were bombing Italy during the Second World War, say that they saw this giant monk standing in heaven. I mean, up in the clouds, with his hand like this, and he and they diverted the planes. And a number of them said that when they were coming close to bomb the area where he was living. 
So yeah, there, there is many supernatural manifestations that can take place in situations of war. Absolutely. Yes. Right. There are two ways in which we do our bit. Right. The most powerful way, the most enduring way, the way that is most victorious is by sacrificing and praying. Not talking to anybody. Close or far. Right? That's the most powerful way. Then there is additionally, to this, or as a fruit of this, the apologetic or the missionary work that we can do with people then around us and all over. Yes, and by this I mean that when you talk to a Protestant, if you can show him the goodness of God and, and make him aware of the things that he can improve on while being a Protestant, you've opened him up to the truth. You haven't confronted him directly by saying, you know what, you belong to a sect, you're a heretic, you're going to hell. But I want to be your friend. That's not going to work. Right? But if you can show him by your example, by the way you behave, how he can be better, you've brought him this far, this much further along the way to become a Catholic. You see, but, but no, no, I, again, I repeat it. Our mission is to convert the whole world. It's the method, as you said. Right? It doesn't necessarily mean that I have to go door to door. Maybe, maybe he has to go door to door. Or maybe I have to go door to door. But the point is, oftentimes we can fall into the strap of what I call activism. Where we're doing one thing, then the other, and then this and that, and then now we're just considering conversion of people like a, like a, a boxing match. And then we lose track of the realities, the most important thing, which is the silence, the prayer, the meditation, the holiness, the sanctity of God, Mass, the liturgy, Eucharist, the rosary. Those are the fundamentals. Everything else flows out of it. That's what I'm trying to say. Monks, for instance, monks who live as hermits, do so not because they don't want to be with others, not because they hate the world. It is because they want to offer themselves as a complete sacrifice for the conversion of the world. That's why they do it. So when one like St. Charbel, for instance, lived as a monk and as a hermit, he didn't do that because he just wanted to run away from people. He did it because he loved the people. And he converted more people by being a hermit, not talking to anybody, or almost not talking to anybody, than many folks who go about knocking doors. St. Therese, little child Jesus, she's the patron saint of missionaries. Never left her monastery. Now talk about irony. She never left her monastery. Patron saint of missionaries. How did she do that? Same deal. Yes. You may want to read a book, which I, I, you'll hear me uh, recommending this book over and over again. It is a book written by a woman uh, lived in, living, who lived in the 19th century in France. Her name is Elisabeth Le Sœur. L-E-S-S-E-U-R. L-E-S-S-E-U-R. The title of that book is My Heart Rejoices. Elisabeth Le Sœur was married to an atheist, and she was a sickly woman. And so her husband surrounded her with atheist friends. But she was a prayerful woman, and she surrounded herself with really good books, and she formed herself. She formed and trained her mind to really understand and had answers ready for him. So whenever he would come and jeer at her about her faith and this and that, she always answered him reverently, but to the point. So that eventually, he respected her and never dared, you know, come and ask her these questions. And then she died. She died while he was still an atheist. 
And when he, after, after burying her, he was going through her things and discovered a diary, a diary. And he sat down and read it. He read her diary. He converted. After reading her diary, became a priest. Her cause is open for canonization. Read that book. My heart rejoices. The little thing that she did transformed the world. Another good example I give, these are my heroes. They're a Japanese couple. Um, Tagashi, T-A-G-A-S-H-I, Tagashi, this is the man, and his wife, Midori, M-I-D-O-R-I. And the family name is Nagai, N-A-G-G-A-I. They lived in Hiroshima, uh, Nagasaki, I'm sorry, when the bomb was dropped. And when the bomb was dropped, after finishing his work at the hospital, he went back home. He couldn't find his home. He found the plan of his home. And right there he found the remains of his wife, who was killed. And then he looked at her, and there was nothing. There was dust, right? Everything has fallen to dust. And he saw something twinkle, and he saw a bead, a rosary bead. And he knelt right there and then, and he said, I thank you, Lord, that you allowed my wife to die with a rosary in her hand. On her tomb he wrote, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Read their story. You can find it on the internet. It's amazing. I am praying for their canonization because this couple is incredible in the way they live the faith. And because of the little bit that he did, at the 50th celebration or remembrance of the dropping of the bomb in Nagasaki, people were praying. In Hiroshima, they had fists raised in anger. But because of the work he did, they were praying. So you never know what your little prayer is doing right now. Yes. And that's what he said as well. That's exactly what uh, uh, Tagashi Nagai wrote in, in one of his books. Tagashi. T-A-G-A-S-H-I. And uh, you're absolutely right. That's how he saw it as well. I saw it as an offering for the conversion of Japan. I mean, and the, this guy was, he was a, of the Shinto religion and converted when he was a, an adult. And it's absolutely amazing the work of grace in his soul. Just remarkable. Remarkable. So, again, acquaint yourself with what's going on out there. Read the lives of the saints. Read the lives of the saints. You should be reading the life of one saint at least every three months. Acquaint yourselves with what is going on through the lives of the saints. Because they'll tell you more about reality than anything you're reading right, right now. Know your faith. That's the source of joy. That's the hidden treasure that Christ spoke about. That's the church, the hidden treasure. God bless you. We hope you've enjoyed this talk from Corbono. For more information about this and other talks, please visit our website at www.corbono.com. Thank you and God bless you.